Hey there, this is Angel Donovan with another episode of Dating Sex Relationships Podcast. This is a show where we look at dating sex and relationships from the perspective of getting results. It's a practical show. We look at the truth by learning from experts with years of research behind them or years of experience behind them. Coming from every single perspective you can think of, everything from porn stars, sex logs, psychologists, pickup artists, everyone out there who can help us. This is all practical, action-based information, and this week, we're going to look at some of the biggest sexual hang-ups that guys have and how to fix them. We look at why it's important to work past your inhibitions and what that leads to eventually for you. Some of the more unique and most effective ways to pleasure women, and also, we're really going to look at a whole new philosophy towards sex that I think you're going to really enjoy and I found pretty powerful myself. Today's guest is Jaya. She's a sexologist and she has a lifestyle which you could say involves a lot of sex. She's explored her own sexuality and has had a pretty long journey of development herself. During her development and as part of what she does, she has watched couples to learn as well as studying everything she can get her hands on. You name it, tantra, massage, taboos, kink, BDSM and on and on and on. And acting as a sex surrogate, so actually helping and working directly with people on their sexuality to get past their inhibitions or insecurities. She's actually worked with over 3,000 people to date. That's a hell of a lot of experience. I personally thoroughly enjoyed this interview and got a lot out of it, so I know you're going to too. Pay attention. This is really a rock star episode. You're going to get tons out of it. To get all the details from this interview in an easy, done-for-you format, including the MP3 download, the links to everything we mentioned on the show, all about Jaya, and so on and so on, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and select the episode there. If you would like all of that in your inbox for each episode, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter, pop your email in there, and you'll get all of that automatically. Now let's get into today's interview. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Jaya, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I am so thrilled and honored to be here. Oh, excellent. So give us a little bit of information about you, where you're living, how old you are, and what kind of a relationship lifestyle do you have today? Well, I live in Los Angeles in a special place called Topanga Canyon, which is near Malibu. So I have an amazing place where I get to see ocean mists come in on a daily basis. It's incredible. I am hitting 40 almost. Woohoo! <laughs> All those journeys around the sun. And I think my biggest passion in life is teaching people about sexuality. I am on a huge mission to shift our cultural view about sex as something that's been deemed bad and wrong or taboo in our culture to something that is celebrated and cultivated and seen as a powerful way to create more success, aliveness, and longevity in our lives. There's so many benefits to a healthy sex. I love the passion you're communicating there. It's great to hear it. 
Uh, so I'd be interested, like, how did you get triggered? Or is there something that triggered you in your life to start this journey? Or was it just kind of something that evolved over time and just happened? Was there an event or did anything happen? It's the healer heal thyself story. So at a young age, I really had a lot of trauma and history, shame growing up, Catholicism, you know, all that stuff. The culture tells us about sex, about us, about our bodies. And I just set out to heal that. I actually wanted to become a doctor and had started where I wanted to do holistic medicine and then started to apply at different places. And this one woman looked at me and she said, you are a mess. And until you fix your sexuality, well, you're never going to succeed in this life. And that was a big blow. It was a big blow. It was like a huge slap in the face, cold water on my erection. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to rethink everything and look at my sexuality. And she was absolutely right. As much as I didn't want to admit it, I was 210 pounds I had severe. Wow, I would never believe yeah. that. Yeah, most people look at me and they're like, "What?" How I'd love to. Say, I'd love to see it before and after <laughs> yeah. photo. You could sell that, whatever product that was. Yeah, it was having a healthy sex life. I mean, really getting in touch and looking at why I was in the relationship I was in and why I had put on so much weight was fear of his jealousy of other men. I mean, there was so much going on there, and so I had to really take a look at what was happening in my body. I had severe endometriosis. Doctors said I'd never have kids. I had infertility. I mean, like all this stuff going on in my lower body, all the weight. And when I got serious about it, yeah, it was the root of my sexual shame, my sexuality, the lower parts of my body, how I felt about my body. And I had to do some serious work. So that was the first step. But I also say I kind of came in this way and then it got shut down. So when I was like, four, five, six, I would tell my parents that this is what I want to do. I wanted to be like Dr. Ruth. I wanted to go into fertility. I wanted, you know, fertility was sort of my quote for sex. <laughs> to right. kind of still hide it. I kind of still Four, do. five, or six, you're yeah, right. yeah. you saying that already. Cool. And uh, doing a lot of games, you know, I'll show you mine, you show me yours. <laughs> uh, my inciting events of shame was my grandmother catching me in the bushes with a boy playing, you know, wow. I'll show you mine, you you're show me natural. yours. Yep, yeah. I was. <laughs> so... So came in that way. And I think I always had an inherent interest in sex. And one of my teachers says, some people are gifted at drums. Some people are gifted at speaking. Some people are gifted this. You came in erotically gifted. Yeah. (laughs) Outstanding. And then, sorry, I'm guessing that you got shut down by your parents or something. My grandmother was the big one. And then my parents, you know, the Catholic upbringing, that didn't help. Uh, Father, who is very, you know, the what I call low masculine the aggressive women should be not heard, sort of submissive to the man, you know. Kind of the patriarchal. Yes, very, very strong and in an abusive household. So my father was very abusive to my mother and that all shaped my sexual traumas, wounds, which then I sought out to heal and in seeking out to heal them, wanted to keep sharing with other people because it's like there's so much suffering around this and our relationships and people who stay alone because of this big thing we're not talking about. And I have the tools. I did it. I succeeded in shifting and changing all of that. So why not share it with others? And you came from somewhere where a lot of people don't have to come from. Sounds like, you know, so it's a bigger extreme. Yeah, that's the way it works for a lot of us, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So the way you approach this, would you say, I don't know if you call yourself a sexologist or if you call yourself something, but if you're a sex educator, a sexologist, did you approach it differently to other people, do you think? 
Yeah, I'm a somatic sexologist. And so what that means is that I have a body-based approach. I see a lot of people who, and there's nothing wrong with therapy, absolutely think that there's some valuable things there. But I see a lot of people who've been in therapy 10, 20, 30 years dealing with the same issues. I get to the root of it in the body. So I'm looking at it from four perspectives. I'm looking at it from the body, the mind, the biochemistry, meaning what's happening with your hormones. And I'm also looking at it on a deep energetic level because we're bioenergetic before we are any of those things. So on a deep cellular level, like what's going on in in your sexuality on that very, very subtle level. So I'm looking at a whole, wanting to be a holistic doctor, I'm looking at the holistic view of our sexuality, not just from the psyche emotional, but I get to work hands-on and hands-in and bodies. I have a specialized license in the state of California. So I work with a lot of bodies. I get to do a lot of touch and see what's in there and how effective it is to actually move through that on a body standpoint. So that means you've done a lot of one-to-one coaching over time, basically? Yeah, I, I've probably worked with, I don't know, three close to 3,000 bodies. Wow. Yeah, so a lot, both, lots both of Both men time and women, I'm guessing. Hands. Yeah, both men and women. I started my career with mo- only men. surprisingly. Yeah. I worked mostly with men. I love men. So I have a special (laughs) place in my heart always. I have such compassion and just love men. So um, I've worked with a lot of male bodies when I first started out. And then I started working with a lot of women. And now I work with couples and men mostly. That's my, my big, passion is working with those great, bodies. Great. And I, I, don't, I don't think we said, you actually have a, you have a polyamorous relationship, right? I do. Yeah. Um, well, given that I do the work that I do, I have to be with a very special man who understands that I'm touching people's bodies in a very intimate way. <laughs> so it's given to having a more open relationship. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Works very well like that. So I want to talk a bit about the journey because I saw some of your models and it looked like you were basically talking about a journey from where someone starts and they can start in different places depending on where they've got to. Mm -hmm. And you kind of talk about some goals on where to get to. And that's kind of a hard thing to say. Are we all heading for the same goal? Are there different goals for us? How do you kind of see this journey of sexuality? One of my favorite quotes is by Esther Perel, who says, we don't have one sexuality, we have multiple sexualities. And I think if there were any goal, it would be becoming more full spectrum in our sexuality, meaning that we have more vocabulary and freedom to move through what I call becoming a shapeshifter. So let me back up just a little bit so people can understand there. Everyone has an erotic blueprint. What I discovered through touching and being hands-on with all of these people's bodies and their psychologies and all of this is that we all have a signature blueprint. In that blueprint, we have different stages, we have different erotic types, and we have these four obstacles to our sexual health and wellness and pleasure. And especially since you guys are dating, you're talking to a lot of dating people, I think it's important to recognize, number one, the erotic types, because that is going to inform how you may speak to someone, how you may touch someone, and your skills as a lover towards that person, or even your attraction that you're creating outside the bedroom towards them. Sure. So so we can get an idea of what an erotic type is. What would be an example? So there are five of them that I've discovered. Energetic, this is someone who's turned on by space, anticipation, and tease. Too much, too quick, too fast for them is going to actually have them put their walls up towards you. Uh, So actually teasing them, giving them space, give them a little, touch them a little, take it away. That is going to be more effective for that type. So you find both guys and girls with the same erotic types? Yes, yes, absolutely. An example of an energetic guy, um, I had a celebrity come into me and he, I can't say who it is, but (laughs) (laughs) he's a powerful person. Anybody who's a celebrity in this world, they're powerful, they're on stage, all this stuff, but couldn't get an erection. 
And so he and his wife came in and she's doing the pogo stick thing, the, you know, everything that she's seen in every porn movie or right. Cosmo magazine. Yeah. Nothing was working. And he's young. So what's going on here? And I just started hovering my hands over his body, not touching him because I always start with the energetic to see if someone is that type. And when I hovered over his genitals, he got an erection. And both of them looked at me with these huge eyes and they're like, what is going on? They were like, that's magic. That sounds like magic. (laughs) It is like magic. And then like, if I raise my hand, the penis raises. If I lower my hand, the penis lowers. It's like, like, no touching. No touching. In the space. Yeah, in the ah, space. No, that's, thank you for that example. That makes it a lot clearer. Yeah, yeah. And he started shaking and shuddering and having orgasms. And he's just like looking at me going, what's going on? I said, you're wired energetically. All this other stuff is short-circuiting you out. It's too much, too quick, too fast. You go into overwhelm. It's too much, yeah. So the next one is sensual. And the sensual type is turned on by all of their senses being stimulated. So where energetic is about space, this is about like full body, long strokes, fill in all the spaces between your hand and their body, a smell, a taste, sensual eating, baths, romance. They love context. So the notebook is like, I hear that all the time is like one of the sensuals, like that scene of the kissing in the rain with the swans and the, you know, context. So you could even maybe just run these film scenes by people. Does that appeal to you? And you get some kind of idea? Absolutely. I actually on my Facebook, we have different scenes and guess what types these are for the people who know the types. So the sensual in their shadow side, very stuck in their head can't get out of their head. They're thinking about 10,000 things. An example, a client of mine, she's sexually wired, which I haven't talked about yet, but she's naked on the bed. You can get the picture. Supermodel type, just gorgeous. And he walks in and he doesn't see his wife naked on the bed. He sees the socks on the floor. And the socks on the floor make him think about the laundry not being done. And the laundry not being done makes him think about the work that needs to be done. And then the work that needs to be done makes him think of his entire schedule with the kids and the da-da-da. And he is not turned on. It's funny because that's kind of the stereotype for a girl, right? Right. That's what we say, girl, the way girls react. So it's interesting to say that it happens on both sides. Yeah. I like to bust the myth that guys are the sexual people because I see I see it all over the place and I don't see that being true. Like guys are just simple. It's like, no, they're not. You have so much complexity and anxiety. I mean, this is the anxiety archetype of- Yeah, it's just a high stress world we live in. Everyone's distracted, right? Yep. And we all to have, to some extent, have that distraction. We have a epidemic of disengagement going on. So I can talk about that later. <laughs> but the next type is sexual and the sexual types easily turned on. They are like- no problem with nudity, love sex, super fun in bed, just like ready to do it. They're zero to 60 really quickly. Their shadow side is that sex is, if there wasn't an erection or there wasn't an orgasm or there wasn't wetness, something is wrong. And they they just stop instead of playing and being an exploration so they can get very one way. And that's the only definition to sex. And it has to involve penetration as opposed to all the other blueprints. So that would be more related to porn because there's a lot of guys today who've watched a lot of porn, of course. And would that, does that help to push them towards maybe that type of erotic type? Yes. They think that that's what sex is. Is it something we're born with or is this just something you, where you find someone is at this moment in time? Here's what I see a lot of with the sexual blueprint. And I'm going to speak directly to men is there's a masking that goes on. One, because they don't know that this other thing is aware that there are energetic and sensual and these other blueprints that are available. Two is that they think that this is what they're supposed to be as men, because we have lack of mentorship around sex. 
we have lack of education around sex. So what our mentorship is, is porn. So we think my penis needs to look that way. My penis needs to be that hard the whole time. My penis needs to, you know, I need to Right, right. You've got this one model and it's just been drilled into your 100,000 times. Yeah. So something I did recently, you probably know about this, is orgasmic meditation. Uh Have you ever got into that? Yeah. So I did that uh, for a while. It's, It's amazing the basically kind of the energy and stuff it sends through you when you do it. You don't really think about it, you know, when you, you first do it, that it's going to have that kind of effect on the guy. You think it's just for the girl. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would fit into... It's actually a shapeshifter model, orgasmic meditation. It can be used in all ways, um, which I haven't talked about yet. It's the last one of these archetypes. But it's very also very energetic. The way you're, you're experiencing it is very energetic. Yeah. Which is like, whoa, I'm feeling the energy from this. And no penis is required, which totally tweaks the brain, you know? Right. It's like, ah, oh, I've been told yeah. I need my penis for sex. So. so it's kind of like you can have some all of these types, like you're saying, shape-shifting, but you have to kind of learn them. Yes. Because until I'd been exposed to that, I through meditation and stuff, I'd experienced something similar. But even before meditation, I didn't even know anything about that kind of experience, right? So it's kind of things that have to be woken up in you. Right. Absolutely. I call it expanding the blueprint. So whatever blueprint you are, whatever type you are, you have to learn to feed it, speak it, heal it and expand it. So when you're expanding your blueprint, you're starting to step into, well, what would energetic be like? And what are all the things that are sexually based that might fit in the energetic category? And that might be things like orgasmic meditation, tantra, Taoism, um, learning how to move and transmute sexual energy through your body and awaken it for latent genius. An example, I did a sex and money challenge. And so I had an orgasm every day at a certain time with the intention of increasing abundance and awakening latent genius in my brain. And so I used the sexual energy to transmute through my body to do that. And I tripled my income in the 90 days that I did that. Very good, very good. Yeah, I've, I've met other believers in there. I can understand it. More sexual energy, better. Yep, yep. Yeah. So we started the sexual blueprint to cultivate that, the sexual type. And that's a great place to start. I'm actually an energetic sexual. So I have both of these in my blueprint very, very intensely. And so I can cultivate a lot of sexual energy, but I always want to move it through my body. And then I need space too much, too quick. will short circuit that sexual part of me. So how, how does like through a guy at home, how does he discover? Cause it's kind of like where he is, but if he isn't aware of these other ones, they could be much better than where he is. Say he's going with the more porn version, the more, the what did you call it? The sex? The sexually wired one. The sexually wired. Say so he's gone with that one, right? So he has to kind of experiment with those other ones to see maybe they'd be like 10 times better for him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you have a sexual masking, which a lot of men do, is that you need to actually get on a, I call it the AB game, which is where you just go through the body. And this is how to determine your type from a body-based level, not just mentally, is to like, I will hover over somebody's body and that's A. And that's an energetic touch. Then I might slap an inner thigh and that's B and that's kinky touch, which we haven't got to the kinky blueprint yet. (laughs) And then I say, which one was more exciting, A or B? And the person might say A. And I noticed that goosebumps got all over their body and, you know, they had a reaction and that would be, okay, that's energetic. Now let's test energetic against sensual. And I just go through and do A or B, A or B. And you can do this on your own body. It's just simply like playing with your own skin, your own body, getting some different sensation items and playing and seeing what does my body respond to? And let me go to the kinky because there's a great story on how I discovered this particular woman's kinky wiring because our brains try to trip it up. And this is a great example. Kinky is turned on by taboo, as you can guess by the name. But taboo is whatever's outside of your box. So for one person, taboo is I had sex in doggy style position. For another person, taboo is I wore my yellow raincoat and dressed up in girls' high heels and masturbated. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other level of taboo. 
And so it, it really is, this blueprint has tons of creativity and there's two different types in the blueprint, which is kinky psychological. I'm turned on by the psychology or the idea or the fantasy or kinky physical, meaning I'm turned on by the spanking. I'm turned on by the physical sensation that's happening within the kinky blueprint. And the shadow side is deep, deep shame. And I'm not talking shame as in like, I'm guilty about sex. I'm talking shame as in I'm a bad person because I like these things. Right. So they're getting off on that. Yes. It's the emotion of shame. Yes. It's the, yeah. emo the emotion of shame and the taboo actually is the turn on, but then they hide. They hide and they don't want to be revealed and they don't want to share it with their partner. They don't want to share it with the world because this thing is bad, wrong. I'm bad, wrong. Right. They don't accept the shame. Yeah. Or the be vulnerable with, in my story here is my own partner was kinky wired. And I didn't know it for six years wow, of being so in a relationship time, yeah. with him because he had such deep shame. He hid it. And this is what I do for a living. Wow. And so to find that out, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, he was having some erectile stuff and I'm like striptease classes and all this, you know, trying everything. And then I get out some ropes and I'm like, uh, dude, you're kinky wired. Like what's going on? Why are you not telling me? And I found out he was tying himself up and you know, like stuff like that, and where yeah, it was like, given the context, that's just crazy. Oh my gosh. So I want to go back to determining blueprint because this story ties in so well. I had a couple that I was working with. They're very Christian. And so he found out he was energetically wired for 24 years. He'd been touching her energetic. When I touched her energetic, she's like, it feels like spiders are crawling all over my skin and I hate it. And this is the way he's been touching me. Right. Cause he's energetic. So he's touching energetically. Right. Right. Then I, he, she thinks she's sensual. So I do some sensual touch. It's somewhat of a turn on it's turning her on. There's a little bit of reaction. And I get curious. I actually think she's kinky. This is my, my mind saying, I think she's kinky. And I, I ask her permission, can I slap you? She says, yes. I slap her inner thigh and her whole body clenches up in this like really yummy, like, and she goes, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, lady, you're kinky. <laughs> and it, it's her upbringing, taboo, all that would not let her say I'm kinky. They're going to be the least likely to say this is my blueprint, yeah. but their body never lies. Her body gave her away in two seconds. All I had to do was slap her. And she's been getting this energetic fluffy touch that just like, ah, uh, is like gross to her. She wants solid hands. She wants to be held down. She wants to be slapped. She wants to be manipulated and pushed up against a wall and ravished. And so she didn't know that herself either. Or is it more of a sh shame thing? Because the example of, of your partner was that he kind of knew it, but he's been hiding it because of shame. Yeah. Does that happen more with guys or girls? Or is it just the same? I think the guys actually harbor more shame and the girls just haven't admitted it to themselves or they don't know this about themselves uh -huh. is what I see in my practice. So that's more of what I see is the, the women don't know their own sexuality because they haven't explored it a lot. And so part of our job or my job as a mentor and men's job is to help them uncover that in a safe space where they will not feel judged. Women are crazy sexual beings. Women's sexuality, actually, there's a whole myth that they're not these sexual beings, but they're actually these sensual, delicious, like amazing beings. And men just have to give them permission to actually be there. And the women have to feel safe and that they're held and that they're not going to be judged and that you're not going to go blabbing to your friends about them because that's their biggest fear they're going to be revealed that they are sluts. And so that fear of judgment is one of the things that's holding them back. And as men, we have the responsibility. I speak like I'm a man, but <laughs> <laughs> as men, you all have a responsibility to hold that space for them so that they feel free to discover what it is that they like, what they want, what their blueprint might be. Because tapping into these blueprints is like having a secret combination. It literally is like, 
you just found the holy grail to getting them to orgasm or getting them into high states of arousal that they've never experienced before. So energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky. And the last one is a shapeshifter. And shapeshifters are awesome, amazing lovers because they're super creative. It's as if energetic is Chinese and sensual is French, sexual is American English. And then we have a beautiful Persian for kinky. And the shapeshifter can speak multi-languages. So we have a shapeshifter who can speak it all. Now, the shadow side of the shapeshifter is bored really easily because usually they're not getting their own needs met because they're speaking one language. They're partners. They mold themselves into what their partner wants them to be. The other thing that I see in shapeshifters is a shapeshifter shadow where you have the shadow of all of these. And if you have that, your first step, number one, is healing. You've got to go into healing. So shadow means there's like other versions of those needs in you, basically. They're quieter. The shadow is actually the negative aspects of each blueprint. So shadow of energetic is I short circuit if I get too much too fast. Shadow of energetic is I'm hierarchical and judgmental. I'm better than you because I'm spiritual. (laughs) The other shadow of sensual is I'm stuck in my head, can't get out of my mind and into my body shadow of sexual is I need an erection or we have to have an orgasm or, you know, Uh, uh, shadow of the kinky is I'm hiding. I'm in deep shame. I don't want to be revealed. So you have all of that. If you're a shadow shapeshifter and in that case, deep healing needs to be done before you can really move into the positive aspects. Great. So people, if they've got these negatives in their life, that could also help them to identify which one they're associating with the most. Yes. And why they're having so much struggle. I mean, I work with so many people, you know, my single guys and it's like, well, look at why you're having struggle. It's because you're choosing women who are in a kinky blueprint, yet you have deep shame about kink and what's going on there, or you're not owning this part of your sexuality that you need in order to feel fulfilled. And that's an interesting scenario. So you get men who are chasing something that isn't for them. They say, I'm the sensual type, but I'm chasing kinky women. That's who I keep going for. That's who I keep ending up with. Do you have those kind of patterns that come up? Uh, Absolutely. So what I believe and what I've seen is that we inherently are trying to become full spectrum. We are trying to become full spectrum. So what we do is we seek out an opposite blueprint. So a sexual seeks out an energetic. Sexual man seeks out energetic woman. And then he's constantly chasing her, not understanding why she doesn't want, why she's pushing back. And it's because of that difference in the blueprint. Now, if you understand the blueprint, then you're better able to connect with that blueprint. And then if you expand into it yourself by getting in touch with that part of yourself, then you're able to become more whole in your sexuality. So for example, me, I'm a sexual energetic. My partner is a kinky sensual. So we have completely different ways of approaching how we initiate sex, how we speak about sex. I just will look at him and go, hey, you want to ha- you want to pull around? You want to have sex? You want to fuck? You know, <laughs> can I say fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> okay. Um, and do you want to do these things? And he, on the other hand, gets turned off by that. I will be in the car and I'll just start playing with his penis. He's like, I'm driving. What are you doing? (laughs) And it's because I have sexual, I just want to go for the genitals. I want to like play and be, I want to be very clear and have certainty that we're going to have sex. He, on the other hand, is like, I'm like, well, how do you want to be approached? He's like, well, I want you to come up behind me and like rub your body on me and put on some music. And I'm like, 
oh my God, (laughs) I turn people on all day. It's the last thing I want to do is like have to work for it, you know, (laughs) like, because it's my job. Like it resembles your work a bit more. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it's just funny. Or like an easier way for me, we found, is I just get the ropes out and put them on the bed. And then he knows we're going to play with something kinky and instantly he's turned on because I can feed that. Right. The kinky works so, better. So you, fa- you found his shortcut. I found his shortcut. Yep. <laughs> I want to hack it, you know, all the hacking. I, yeah. I love hacks. So I always want to find like, how can I hack into his sexuality in a way that doesn't feel like I'm working? For me, it's very important. That's great. At the beginning of this talk, you talked about the bioenergetic the biology and the, the biogenesis is that the same thing as you were just talking about there or is it something different i have a suspicion that they're different things so that's why i bring it up they're different and yet the same so when i talk about bioenergetics i'm talking about a couple of different things one is what's happening on a cellular level so what's happening in your actual cells and that there's positive and negative within each cell we have positive negative charges neutrons protons electrons all those things in the cell so we have that that aspect and i don't want to get too crazy scientific here right but you're talking about mitochondria and things like that right basically the yeah. energy yeah. energy within the cell yes and also i'm talking about how sensitive we are energetically so how are the cells affected by let's say, electromagnetic frequencies from your TV screen? Do you have difficulty sleeping at night because of that? And then that is that affecting your testosterone production because you're not getting sleep and that time that your body is needing to produce testosterone because your cells are being whacked out by electromagnetics. Or, you know, I mean, this is a very deep rabbit hole. But I think what's more interesting for your guys is the energetics that we're putting off in the world, our polarity. So masculine, feminine dynamic. And I look at this very different than stereotypes. It's an energy. It doesn't mean as a man, you have to have masculine energy. It means that we need polarity to attract. And so I am a high testosterone woman. It's tied into my biochemistry, which means that I tend to be a little bit more on the masculine side as a female. So I like actually high estrogen men who have a little bit more of the feminine qualities in them. Again, seeking to complete, seeking for the opposite in my blueprint. Now, yes, I absolutely have the ability to melt and be in surrender and go totally into my feminine because I've learned how to have that ability if I need to, when my partner and I play. So these energies are a dance. And there's also, we have to keep in mind that there's light and dark energy. There's the bad boy and the good boy. And most men are stuck in good boy syndrome and us women are craving a little bit of bad boy. There's also in control, dominant and submissive in our sexual play. And I think that these are really important elements as we look at energetics of what is the energy that you're putting out into the world. Is it an energy of passivity, surrender? Is it an energy of I'm good and I'm going to please you? Or is it an energy of I'm assertive, I'm going to take that, I want that, I'm going to ravish that, which is a much, much different energy and it attracts different things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a very different thing. So if you give me your, an idea of your approach, I get the feeling that you've looked at everything you come across and with quite an open mind and you've kind of collected things and, and put things together over time and into this kind of more global view that you have. And it's it's encompassing everything. So have you looked at a lot of different things and what kind of things did you have to look at to, to get to this point? It came mostly from spending so much time with people's bodies. I think sex is something we do. And a lot of sex researchers will talk to people and then look at that research. I feel like I'm a sex researcher who actually sees what happens with people's bodies because we can lie about sex. <laughs> and we oftentimes do. 76% of women fake orgasm. Crazy. 
that's a high percentage. And so then to admit, well, no, I haven't really had an orgasm in front of their partner. They're not going to say that when they've been faking it for 10 years, but I see it on my table. It can't lie. The goosebumps happen, the lubrication happens, or it doesn't happen, or the pupils dilate, the flushing of the skin. I see all of those things and can go, yes, okay, there's arousal happening in your body. And the woman will go, no, I'm not aroused. I'm like, "Uh, well, your vagina is telling me something different. Your vulva is telling me something different. Your nipples are telling me something different. So let's connect that. Why is that not connecting in your mind? And so we have to really look at it from this point of view. And I think just spending so much time with people's bodies and the truth of what's happening in their body and feeling their body. I mean, just feeling a G-spot. People say the G-spot doesn't exist. Well, how do we know that? What kind of research are you doing? Do you have your hands on a thousand different G-spots? Have you felt a thousand different bodies and, and felt them in arousal? A gynecologist might have felt that many bodies, but it's not an arousal. That's not an arousing experience, unless, of course, you have that turn on of being at the gynecologist's office. A little bit of kinky psychology. Um, (laughs) So I argue with a lot of the research that's out there just because it's not from a hands-on felt experience of what is truly happening in the body in arousal and in orgasmic states. Have you got some like big ones where you would disagree with the current scientific work? It'd be interesting if you've got any specific things that you feel strongly about? Yeah. My biggest one is around the G-spot because we keep arguing if it exists or not. And people keep coming out with research that it doesn't exist. I, I have to say, you when I look at the research, well, one research study was twins and they asked one twin if they had it and the other one if they didn't. And if one twin said they didn't have it, then they deduced that the G-spot. I'm like, what? How are you getting this? And then another one- That's a crap study. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you have to look at the studies that are coming out as well. And why I say the G-spot exists is because I can feel it. There's never been a woman that I have worked with where I have not felt this structure, where on either side there's dips and there's something that valleys down into the vaginal canal that is rough, rugged tissue. Now, the more aroused she is, the better I'm able to feel it. Sometimes the G-spots are tight and they're tucked up and they're, they're not loose in the body because of trauma or whatever else has happened in the pelvic floor. But I have never failed to feel this in a female body. Right. But do females, I mean, I would completely agree with you, but do females always get aroused with it? No. So here's the thing. I mean, some women, it's highly arousing. Some women, it's numb. Some women, it's painful. However, it's a journey. And so I will say in my body being, I was mostly energetic when I was younger. The sexual blueprint came in a little later as things healed. And so this piece in my body was completely numb. Feel it. No feeling. I'm like this G-spot thing. Like, what are they talking Mm, about? You know, it's all about the clitoris for me. And then I just kept working with body workers and people who worked in the G-spot area, male partners and helping me open up. And then it turned to pain. And I'm like, okay, well, then now it's getting worse. Like now I'm, it feels like pain, but at least I felt something. So I knew I was on some track of like something was awakening there. And now, I mean, the subtlest little touch is like, like through the roof, I'm ejaculatory now. What a journey to go from nothing to total full body experience. Right, right. Yeah. That sounds great. Because I think that kind of gives us a goal. So you're saying like we have to, we should explore our sexuality for our own good, right? What kind of benefits do we get out of expanding our sexuality, exploring it, going through life and trying to expand it and go through these different areas you've been talking about? Yeah. Well, one thing just for you guys is if you want to be a master lover, and this is like a must, you've got to explore your own sexuality and get out of 
the sexual box that the culture has put us in. Are you in? I keep talking like I'm a guy, but I feel like I'm one of the guys. I I Um, always like to talk about social programming. (laughs) Yeah. So if you've been programmed in a box, and so you've got to start getting out of that. And one thing is having a sexual practice. I love erotic tools. My sexual practice involves breath every day and awareness. To become a better lover, you have to become aware. And the first thing is to become aware of your own body. And then you can become aware of someone else's body. And then you can become aware of your own body while working with someone else's body. It's like you have to go through all those stages. So would the first step be something like meditation or what would it? I like to do an exercise where if I'm just going to teach it non-sexually first, because sometimes sex is too much of a trigger. So non-sexually would be to get a tape recorder and get a timer set a timer for five minutes and just start speaking what you're aware of every single thing you're aware of for five minutes straight. So, and that's like a meditation itself. So it'd be like, I'm aware of my hands are cold. I'm aware that my, you know, I want to move my neck around a little bit because I've been sitting in this chair. I'm aware that as soon as I start bringing awareness, it goes right to my pussy. And now I'm aware of some throbbing there. I'm aware that (laughs) I I want to sort of like close my legs and tighten them because it gives me pleasure. Whatever that is that you're aware of, to start speaking it. And if you want to add the sexual bits, if you feel like you're ready, start with sexual. Like just what are you aware of in your genitals right at this moment? And it's like, okay, I'm aware of my vaginal opening right now for some reason. And I'm aware of how I'm sitting on the the seat and the pillows sort of going into that area. And I'm aware, you know, whatever it is and being very honest with yourself, no one's listening. You're just recording this. You don't have to listen to the recording again. It's just there as something to speak into. And that exercise I found is a great place to start just in developing awareness. Because if I were to teach guys one thing on becoming a better master lover, it is that. It is awareness. The more aware that you are, the more you can notice in the moment, the better you're going to be able to pick up all the subtle cues that are happening in your body and their body. And sex is just going to be so much more better. So much better, not more better. (laughs) So I've been coming across more guys in our programs and stuff who they're not enjoying sex. It sounds like they've been disconnected. It sounds like there's Mm-hmm. This is exactly what you're describing here. They're disconnected and they can't enjoy it because they don't really, they're not in touch with it anymore. Yeah. This is something I keep hearing more and more and more is one, they get so focused on pleasing the girl because everything's been focused on, okay, be a come a better lover by pleasing her, be in that stage. They've skipped the first stage, which is their own awareness. And I think it also comes from conditioning from porn as well. I'm not anti-porn. I think porn can be used for a lot of good as well. But I say, if you're watching it a lot and it's been your own example, you're actually disconnecting from your body because you're putting your sexuality outside of yourself. The reason why men are not pleased these days is because they're in their own anxiety a lot of times around, am I doing it right? Looking for cues in her body to see if you're turning her on. All of this minutiae of stuff in that you're now ignoring your own pleasure and you're not even aware of what's happening at all. So you've got to start being aware. The sensations, the energy, the space, the things you were talking about, which are their keys to pleasure, right? It sounds like those are basically their, their models for pleasure. So they're not in touch with any of them. No, it's just like, okay, I'm going to do that thing that I saw in that film, like flicking or killing her is really hard. You've just missed three, four of the other blueprints and all of the stuff that leads up. And if I'm going to get really advanced, everyone has a blueprint stack. So we have a way of like, once my energetic is tapped into, my sexual awakens. Once my sexual awakens, my sensual awakens. Once my sensual awakens, now my kinky has awoken. And so I'm going to move through that blueprint stack 
there's one type that I am at my core, but I'm going to move through it within maybe at one sexual experience or over a week. And so this is more bad stuff, but yeah. Great. Because I go back to something you said earlier is when you're, you're attracted to a new partner, they can be from a different sexual type. Mm-hmm. That's happened to me uh, along my journey as I've changed. And I think it was really my partners, which helped me to expand because they came from whichever different angle. And then they brought that to me because I kind of had to adjust to them or the, the team, the dynamic between us brought us in that direction. Is that a way, something that people do also? I don't know, like I was just talking to someone about the swinger lifestyle and, and they've expanded their sexuality, their confidence, yes. and everything tremendously. Because in, in the swinger community, a lot of people have different types, like looking at your model and so on. And it's also a mature community where you can kind of just say that and everyone respects that. So they feel more comfortable saying it than you know everyone else outside of that community. Is it our partners one way we, we can like mm-hmm. progress not to be afraid of having different types? Because some people kind of stick with the same girlfriend model or whatever, the, the, the type they always date, right? And they're kind of like scared to step out of that. Would that be something you would say, hey, you should also open up your eyes to different types of women in this case, mm-hmm. different communities and so on? Yeah. Absolutely. If you're out there dating and you want to start expanding your blueprint to be able to speak all of these languages, you're going to start seeing these blueprints out there. And so as soon as you see them, you kind of know, okay, here's how I'm going to be with this person. And there's also, you're speaking the language. It's like, okay, now I've just gone to Spain and now I'm going to speak some Spanish and I'm going to practice developing that skill. Absolutely. Which then helps you expand your own blueprint. So it helps you to become more full spectrum, more shapeshifter in its positive aspects. And I would add too, knowing that you are seeking your opposite, knowing that you are seeking to complete the missing pieces of your sexuality with that awareness, you can go, oh, okay. So this is why I've been attracted to this type. And if I develop it in myself, that will sometimes go away. Or it's just knowing, okay, well, I'm actually seeking to find somebody who is an opposite. And in that there's work to do. Now I have seen like two energetics who get together are actually a problem area because they just want to sit around and eye gaze and don't actually ever get to the sex. Cause it's like, I feel all this energy and ah, there's the physical fizzles out. And that doesn't sustain a relationship is what I've seen. Unless they're both okay with not having any kind of sexual, <laughs> physical sexual connection. Right. Two sexuals together, however, work very well. In that, they both just want to have lots of sex. Right. The sexuals are like pushing people against walls and the kind of, it's not more physical sex as well. The sexuals, what I see is oftentimes it's just very simple. It's just like, I'm my knees are met. I can relax if I've had my orgasm for the day. So it's just sort of like missionary position. Sometimes it's kind of boring. It's not even push each other up against the wall. It's just like, okay, we had our sex for the day. Everything's good in the world. It could happen in missionary position every day, or it could be masturbation every day. It doesn't, kinky is a little bit more of the push each other up against the wall kind of like Got, ravishing. Gotcha. Taboo. Passion. We're thinking more taboo stuff. Right? More taboo. Yeah. yeah. And so with the sexuals though, the issue is when you got two together, they're not exploring all that's possible. And they may be very happy there. And, and I'm not saying, I mean, that could be enough for some people, but they may be missing out on other possibilities. Right. Because we've spoken about like, it it may not be always good, I'm guessing, for everyone to expand. I mean, there are some dark places people can go. Are some people happy at certain stages? And it sounds like some people that you're working with, they're a bit more sensitive. And I'm sure some listeners are too. And they have to go at their own pace. And I don't know, In let's talk about some of the harder cases. In the harder cases, we spoke about some basic exercise that you could do to become more self-aware. What would be the next step if they are 
really nervous about their sexuality, you know, it's something difficult. Maybe they have never had a partner and they're scared about the whole thing. So one thing is mindset. So you've got your awareness exercises, but then you've got to work on your mindset. And I like to actually do something called uncovering your erotically empowered persona. But usually what's on top of your erotically empowered persona, which is the powerful guy who can go out there and be assertive and get the girl, you know, he's like, he's like that guy inside of you that you want to unleash, right? But on top of him is usually a George or a Bob or a, no offense to any George or Bob, but these are the, these are the names that I hear that guys name them. It's like the, the weakling. Nice guy, Bob. Kind of, the nice guy archetype or even worse, like yesterday I was just talking to a guy who had a George, right? He named him George. And George, George's belief was that if I put myself out there, I'm actually going to die. It was that intense. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to like, and then even further, as we started uncovering it was not only am I going to die, I'm going to be seen as creepy and I'm going to hurt the other girl by asserting myself. I'm now imposing on her and therefore I'm bad. I think that creepy one you brought up is really, really big. Is, is that something you see that's very, very, very common? I've seen it a lot in our coaching. Yeah, yeah. And so George was the one who's afraid to be creepy. And so we had to work with George. Like, what does George want? What does George need? Did George come from you or did he come from someone else? Like someone's ideas about masculinity being imposed on you or someone's, you know, whatever. And so we got to get to the root of that. Yeah. And I see guys who are virgins who are 70, 50, 30, who are late life virgins. And a lot of it comes from, I had one guy who was 57, virgin, and he'd never hugged a woman. And he came in my wow. my office and I didn't know it. Yeah. And I hugged him and he broke down. And I was like, what is going on? He says, I never hugged a woman other than my mother. And it was because he had an upbringing of church and his parents who taught him that looking at a woman in a sexual way is a extreme sin. You will go instantly to hell. And so we had to just do a lot of mindset work around what is it? And these are embodied psyches. So where does this live? This guy, George, was this green sludge that was living all over his ribs. And so it was actually an image of something in his body because I have people scan their body. Where does this live? So that's a number one step is going, I want to get in touch with the piece that's holding me back. Where does it live in my body? And was a lot of it also telling him stuff is okay, that He's got these beliefs that a lot of stuff is wrong. Is there a lot of it just resetting that by telling him or does that not work? It doesn't necessarily work. These guys know. They know that this is, I'm a nice guy. I have this stuff. I mean, there are some guys who, who don't realize like that women actually want a guy who's a little bit more out there assertive. They don't think that women actually want that. I do get that sometimes. So we have to do a little bit of reconditioning. But for the most part, it's this, I have an intellectual idea that I should be more outgoing. I should date. I should put myself in situations, but there's something holding me back and I, I can't put my finger on it. So I'm working with the pieces of the psyche that live in the body who are keeping you from actually unleashing that. And then once we've dealt with those pieces of the psyche, then we can talk to the empowered parts of the psyche. All right. Who are you as a masculine man who's going to go out there and take this woman and wants her and is not afraid to do that. Where's that part? And then I get I get all kinds of interesting archetypes that come out in that. And then we develop that archetype through time. How does he dress? How does he walk? How does he carry himself? How does he speak? What you know, it's almost like an acting exercise that I I actually discovered this from an acting exercise playing opposite character of myself. What would my opposite self be? 
And in putting that on for 10 weeks was profound. So a lot of this sounds like that the purpose is to get someone to a place where they're having great sexual experiences, of course, but it sounds like it's really preventing them from getting happy, satisfied in life. The greater goal here is like, what, how would you put it? Like what, when you've taken someone from, say, one of these worst scenarios all the way to further, to, further towards the other end of the spectrum, what happens to their lives? Hmm. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. And people don't expect it. They don't expect that working on their sex life is going to make such a profound difference in every area of their life. I had one guy worked with me for two years. He'd been divorced three times. And every woman had said, I'm leaving you because you're awful in bed. Right. That's so not, imagine what that yeah, left imagine, him with. <laughs> yeah, that made him feel really bad. Yeah. And so after working with him, he said, I had no idea this would affect everything. My career is better. The way I react with my team, because he was an entrepreneur, is better. The way that I am in general is better. I have five girlfriends. They all know about each other. <laughs> He's like, my world is completely radically different. And there's women big, like they call me night and day to come have sex with them because they've never had the experiences that they've had. And what that did for his self-esteem and his confidence, he made more money. He was healthier. He was happier. I mean, just all around, it changed his entire life. I work with celebrities. I work with CEOs. I work with world leaders, Olympian athletes. Sex is their final frontier. It's the scariest place for them to look. But yet they all tell me I've coached with Tony Robbins. I've coached with this. I've coached with that. I've coached, you know, like all the main people. Yeah. And this was the most profound thing I've ever done because it was the scariest as a man for me to go here. And it was where my hidden power was in my world and the world in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It goes very deep, so it can affect everything in your life. It's this hidden thing hiding behind everything for sure. So the other thing I want to talk about is it's a bit of a sensitive thing, especially for guys, if they're feeling like some of the things may be uh, creepy or maybe overpowering the women, there's a difference between resistance and sexual boundaries. If the guy's got a partner or if he's just like hooked up with a girl, how does he know when no should mean no and it's like a clear sexual boundary, something that she's not going to like at all versus it's just some resistance. It's maybe she's getting comfortable with the idea or it's something that she can warm up to. Or she's gonna, she, she kind of actually wants, but she just wants to offer a little bit of resistance. This is a great question. And I get this question all the time. What's the difference between resistance and a true hard boundary? And I think the answer to that question relies on a situation. If you've been in a relationship, that is very, very different than if you, you're dating someone. So if you're in a relationship with someone, I think that you can push a little harder on resistances then you may, if you're just now dating. Now, if you're with an energetic, you gotta be very careful here because any kind of push, they retreat. Push, they retreat. What I would come to with any resistance is vulnerability, is saying, you know, hey, I've been noticing some resistance to moving forward, being physical, having a great sex life. If you've been in a relationship, I've been noticing resistance to passion between us. And I feel, and this is really hard for guys, I feel scared coming to you with this or I, like get honest and vulnerable about how hard the conversation is to have. That's going to help her put down her guard, instantly put down her guard. I'm afraid that you're going to reject me if I actually say these things, or I'm afraid that you're going to judge me for bringing up this conversation, or you're going to want to back away. But my intention here is to connect more deeply with you. My intention for here is for us to improve our sexual life together. And this is if you're in a relationship, I'm speaking. 
And I'm giving you a script, guys. So I hope you're writing this down. <laughs> and so she'll be like, "I heard this before." <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Don't worry, guys. It won't happen. <laughs> then you can come with. And I've been noticing resistance in you. So I'm just, I'm curious. I would love for you to tell me more about what the resistances are and what's coming up for you, so that I can understand better how we together. This is very important. It's not you against her. How we together can move past this so that we can have a deeper connection and more passion in our relationship. So that really is coming first with vulnerability, coming so that her guard is down. So she doesn't feel like this is something that's pitting you against one another. Coming with, we're working on this together and why it's important to you. It's important to me because I need a greater sense of connection. It's not about the sex. A lot of people will say, I just want more frequency of sex, but why do you want that more frequency of sex? Is it because it makes you feel loved? What is the need that's underneath there? And if you can speak from that place, that really like takes all the guard away. And I think then seeking and you know, the magic words that I've heard Tony Robbins say them and his stuff I've heard. Uh, and I think it actually came from Mars Venus. Can't think of his name right now. The guy who wrote. Uh, John Grayson, right? John Gray. Yeah. Right, Gray, I think yeah. it came from him, which is the magic words of tell me more. Tell me more about that. You know, if she starts saying, well, you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't get defensive. No, I don't. How could you think that? Well, that just cut off the connection. Instead, you go to, well, I'm curious what would make you feel that way. So tell me more about that. Let her do her thing and don't eat the shit. This is what I often say is don't eat the shit in the conversation. She's spewing out a lot of shit, which shit is sounds like you didn't take out the trash last week. I had the kids, blah, blah, blah. You never blah. Anytime you hear the words never always That is spewing shit. What I want you to hear is the fertilizer. So you can transform the shit into fertilizer by listening for what her need is. I'm sorry that you feel like I didn't prioritize or that I haven't been contributing enough around the household or that I haven't been connecting you in this way. I haven't been connecting to you in this way. This is how you know a resistance from a boundary. A boundary is a hard no. A resistance will have a lot of ramble to it, a lot of emotional frustration, a lot of emotional frustration to it, a lot of uh, excuses. I'm tired. I'm exhausted the end of the day. You don't understand. I work hard all day with the kids and you never take that. Right. That is resistance. And so you want to look at, well, what is the resistance? And then and then listen for the boundary, because the boundary is more. I don't want to have anal sex because it hurts. That is a boundary. So it's kind of short to the point yeah. a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. No big scene. This is just like something I don't want. Yes. And it doesn't have a lot of excuses behind it. Well, so it sounds like you're just saying you should communicate, right? I mean, in a good, no, but I'm, I mean, that's the first principle is talk, communicate. Yes, please. And then, um, and then, of course, you were doing it, guys at home, she's actually talking and communicating in a specific way, which makes the difference. So I don't want to like um, put that down. By the way, I don't know if you, um, you know, nonviolent communication. I do. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's great stuff as well. It sounds similar to the way you put it and it's very effective. So definitely believe in that if you want to actually get in touch with the person and communicate about a topic like this, which is sensitive. It's effective All right, communication. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really being able to effectively communicate and to effectively listen. I mean, this is part of holding that. I talked about energy, masculine energy is to not be in defense and see if check in with your body, find the calm place in your body and listen from there. See if you can listen from there. It's a skill and it's an art, this listening. 
Um, and I want to say one more thing about resistances and boundaries. There's a great thing called a sex communication checklist that I have. If guys want to get this, you know, reach out to me, get in contact with me. I'm totally willing to give it to you all if you want your listeners to have it. But in that, and on that, you can find out what your boundaries and resistances are. So it's literally a list you give someone, you can give it to somebody you're dating just to find out more about where they're at sexually. And it has, here are all the energetic activities, eye gazing, breathing, da da da, connecting emotionally, all that stuff. And you can just tick the, tick the boxes. I like, I like, I like, I don't like. Yeah. And you tick the box yeah. on three levels. It's a yes. I want it. It's I'm, I'm willing to try it. That's where your resistances live. And in no way, I, no way in hell am I doing that. <laughs> and then you know your hard boundaries for now. It's not that those hard boundaries might not change and don't push them. The more you push, the more you're going to get pushed back. You want to pull her towards you. You always want to pull instead of push. And so that's the difference between magnetism and trying too hard and getting creepy. The list sounds very cool. I love practical things. If you could send that or we can link to it or something, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. It's really, very easy. I'll even introduce it to the next girl um, or whatever. I'll be just to like see how that works. I, I imagine it works very well. I'm not sure what you're going to say about this because I know you've got this broad range of experiences. Are there some more unique approaches to female sexual pleasure you've discovered, which you think a lot of people are missing out on? Or are you going to say it's more about understanding the person in front of you and how they respond with the models you were talking about earlier? I think what we need to understand about female sexual pleasure is that, well, one thing, because I work in so many genitals and this is what I see guys do, is they get really tentative with their touch. Uh -huh. So what I mean by it is I hope that this is working is the thought that's going on in their head, or I wonder what this will do, or I don't know if she's <laughs> getting turned on and how, how much your thoughts, women can read, I and mean, we can read your thoughts, especially for energetic or sensual. And so we, we don't want touch that feels like you're, you don't have us. And I think where a lot of guys are doing this tentative touch is because they're afraid they're going to hurt us. And so yeah. they think the genitals are these sensitive things. I can take a woman's labia and pull them as hard as I possibly <laughs> can, yeah. like toward their feet. And, I'm, and their partners, if their partners are in the room with me, or their eyes get big and they're like, oh my God. I'm like, she hasn't even hit her edge yet. And I'm pulling as hard as I can. It's funny, I guess, I've never thought about this before, but as guys, our balls are really pretty sensitive. Uh -huh. So I guess we're probably thinking of ourselves when we're being really sensitive, because it is that mindset of a lot of guys. I got to be careful here. Uh -huh. It might be because like if we get like slapped or something, it can cause us quite a bit of damage. Uh -huh. It depends on the guy. <laughs> so I, really say, I have seen guys who love their testicles like pushed up against their bodies How? and twisted. <laughs> and, I mean, like, oh, I know, ouch, ouch. But I have seen guys who have kinky blueprint, want them tied up, want them slapped, want cock and ball torture. So this Good is their <laughs> turn on. So everybody's different. <laughs> okay, so one thing is like not being tentative and just being there. That sounds similar to what we were talking about, being aware of yourself. Is it also like not having the attention on the person in front of you, right? Because I know there's a lot of studies about how people can sense immediately if you don't have, if your attention, you know, when we're kind of daydreaming, but we're talking to someone and, and things like this, people can sense it. So, so as you were talking about before, and a lot of guys, it's that awareness like with themselves, as you said, you generate in yourself, but then you learn to focus on the person in front of you when you're having sex instead of being elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, again, that's that, that number one thing I would teach would be first awareness of self, second awareness of other. And then the third step, and this is the one that really blows women's world. And this is what I'm, I'm mostly teaching guys these days, which is how to feel pleasure through her body. So an exercise I do 
is I'll have the woman lay against the guy's chest. They're sitting up against the back, the wall. And I have him just start to feel her body and not worry about her pleasure. Just feel her body for his own pleasure. What feels good? What areas of her body feel good? And then describe to her what feels good. Oh my gosh, I love the way your ribs feel underneath my hands. And now I just want to bring them up to your breasts and I want to touch your breasts. And I love the warmth and the softness of your skin of your breasts. And touching your breasts makes me want to. I mean, you have instant like dirty talk going on, right? Right. But a woman, and my mouth starts to water when I talk about it because (laughs) it blows a woman's mind to be wanted and the object of your desire. Another quote from um, Esther Perel is that female, uh, female pleasure is narcissistic. So our minds are blown by knowing that we are irresistible and that you want us. Why did Fifty Shades of Grey, why did so many women read Fifty Shades of Grey? It hit all of our erotic triggers. The main character is the magical one that gets the guy to change. And he's obsessive about her. For that he's obsessive thing. because you because know, he can't, you know, like yeah. she's the wall, she's the the yeah. magic one, you know. And and so we want to be right, that right. one. We want to be that one that you'll do anything for, that you'll change your whole blah blah. We have this thing about wanting to change men, women. We got to stop this. If there's any women listening, that's that's on our end that we have to stop trying to do that. But but we want to be that one. We are. The whole thing is narcissistic. The more that you want us and show that you want us and are turned on by us, the better. And this is why we're getting the disconnect of women not being turned on is because the men are focusing all on trying to turn her on. Right, right. But they're missing their own pleasure, which is then short-circuiting the whole thing. I don't know if you've read The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. We had him on previously. He talks about the rake character whose ravishes. I haven't, um, I've read a different book by Robert Greene, but haven't read that one. Tell me about it. Well, so he's got this rake archetype that he discovered. I think he's got eight of them. And it's really the guy who's just ravishing the girl. He's like a seducer who's just like so into the girl. And he he gives examples of Romeo or some of the great Don Juan of, Uh of, of time and stuff. And I think that fits very well with what you're talking about right now. Yeah, absolutely. So one topic I just wanted to make sure we got this, because it's just, we've spoken about female ejaculation in the past, and some people make a big deal of it, porn makes a big deal of it. I found a lot of girls enjoy it a lot. It it can take a while to kind kind of coax, depending on where she started from, can take a while to get used to it. At first, she doesn't really like it. Um, So I was just wondering your experiences and if it's beneficial to women really, and how important is it that men should learn about this and or should they just focus on the stuff you've been talking about rather than putting time into trying to learn, mm-hmm. learn about this? I absolutely think it is something to look forward to and learn if you're with a partner and she wants to. And also, you know, you can always work on things on your own and then surprise her. You know, <laughs> this is one thing. If you have a resistant partner, work on yourself. If your partner is just like giving you the no, no, no and total resistance, work on yourself. And that's the best you can do is like work on your skills and then surprise her with something. You can do that. But as far as female ejaculation goes, it's one of those things where I really wanted to learn. And so I took a year to learn how to do it and did it. And it's, it's an orgasm that's very different. So you then say my clitoral orgasm, and there's so much orgasmic capacity for women. I mean, we can have clitoral orgasms, orgasms that roll from the clitoris down to the legs of the clitoris and back up to the head of the clitoris and G-spot orgasms and a G-spot ejaculatory orgasms and crygasms and perineal sponge orgasms. I'm probably saying things people are like, what, what's all that? You know, but there, we have so much orgasmic capability and a lot of, there's a lot of focus on female ejaculation, which is a great orgasm, but there's so many other ones to explore too. So I also, and I don't want you to feel like you're not enough. So guys, you know, hearing this is like, oh my gosh, I got to learn all this. (laughs) And going back to female ejaculations, having said that, 
is for some women, this is like the ultimate orgasm. It is literally like such a huge release. I have seen women ejaculate tiny bits and I have seen women gush buckets of fluid. It is a prostate fluid. I mean, they've done research on it. It is a real thing. She's not peeing, you know, all those kind of things. And if she is peeing, so what? That's part of the process sometimes. Um, Benefits of ejaculation that I have seen. I used to have interstitial cystitis, which is feeling like you always have a bladder infection. I first heard this theory from Sherry Winston, who wrote the um, Female Anatomy book, and great book. And she said that she thinks that the fluid actually has like an antimicrobial property to it. And it flushes bacteria out of the urethra, which I think is like, this was like a huge aha for me because once I learned to ejaculate, I never had a bladder infection or any kind of interstitial cystitis again. And I think it's because the fluid actually pushes because the urethra is so close to the vaginal opening, pushes the bacteria out of the urethral canal. That makes complete and total sense to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this was a huge aha. And so any woman who has those issues, I teach them how to ejaculate and they don't have them anymore. And I've seen it over and over again. So I don't have any scientific basis other than my clinical experience on this and seeing that happen. So one, I think there's a health benefit to it. Two, I get euphoric. I mean, my whole face flushes. I get euphoria. I giggle. I get like hysterical laughter with it a lot of times. And I love feeling that euphoria. I also think that it is a good thing to ejaculate. I feel like it's cleansing. There's an emotional release that often happens with it for me. Like I'll cry sometimes, I'll laugh sometimes. I'll have, it's like healing. It feels like it's healing my G-spot. And so this was part of the process of healing my G-spot. And then there's high pleasure that comes along with it. So for some women, there is just extreme intense, this is the end all be all of orgasms. For me, I didn't experience that same thing. It's not hugely high pleasure for me because I have so much other orgasmic capacity. Like I have full body orgasms. I have these crazy uncontrollable shaking orgasms. I like really cathartic orgasms. So I'll have big orgasms where I'll cry a lot. And those are my favorite. So the wetter, the better with it all. So if I'm ejaculating and crying and everything else is going on, like, awesome. I want that kind of (laughs) orgasmic release. So for some women, it's highly pleasurable. For some others, it's not. Can you get to highly pleasurable? I absolutely think so. If it's something you want to go to, yes. Anything is possible. We all have the plumbing. Like, let's do it. But for some women, it's a journey. And at first, they don't like it. And it it, it has to be that ongoing journey. And if they don't want to do it and it's a boundary, then I'd leave it alone and do techniques when you're playing with them or whatever. Yeah. Again, versus resistance, right? Make the difference between the two. Yeah, great. Okay, rounding off. What are the best ways for people to connect with you? I have an event every year. I do twice a year called Path to Passion. So people can connect with me there. The website is yourpathtopassion.com. And I offer a scholarship to any of your listeners. So if they want to come and hang out with me for two days, it's a really powerful event. I go deep into these blueprints. And I think that's the best way to get a hold of me on the web. So yourpathtopassion.com. Is that online or is it in Los Angeles? It's in Los Angeles. I'm also looking at doing it in other cities and around. So we're looking at doing a tour with this event. So please, cool. maybe, maybe elsewhere. Yeah, get in touch with me there. And you can also email me. People can email me directly if you want to get that sex communication checklist. Uh, we'll figure out a way to get that to everybody. But my email is also jaya, J-A-I-Y-A, at missjaya.com. And so anybody can email me there and feel free to reach out. I love to hear from people. I love to connect with people. I love to just go deep on this topic. So I know we can only do so much in an hour. So feel free to reach out to me. Great. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Is there anyone else besides yourself you'd recommend for great advice on on sex or Uh, in the area? 
Um, like you probably know hundreds. I don't know if you know hundreds. Yeah, I so do. try and think um, top three or something. I love Sherry Winston's work for female anatomy, and just really, I feel like she has the best. Just from having my hands on and hands in so many people, I feel like she has the best anatomy that matches my felt experience of that. I love the work of Esther Perel, and she is a. Her TED Talk is incredible. But if you're in a relationship and you're really struggling with passion and really, you know, like that, or if you just want to prevent from having a passionless relationship in the future, I think she's probably one of the best out there is Esther. She's just an incredible, amazing woman. So look up her TED Talk. She also has a great book called Mating in Captivity. I love her work. And then another person who I love's work is Christopher Ryan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I listened to your interview with him. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Sex at Dawn. And I think that this book is just really great in, in the conversation around sexuality and our our history as human beings and our evolutionary process of sex. And I, I find that book really, really fascinating. I love Christopher's work. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great. So final question, what would be your top three recommendations to guys if they're starting from scratch, you know, whether they're Freddie year virgin or whatever it is, but they're really starting from scratch. Top three things you would say they should do to get this part of their life solve getting working for them as fast as possible? Number one, have a practice. Just like you have a practice going to the gym or a practice, get very conscious about your practices. What I would say your practice should be would be starting with awareness exercises. You could do that for five minutes. It doesn't have to be long, but having some kind of awareness practice that you're doing on mindset practice around exploring what is your mindset around sexuality. So number one thing are practices. Number one, number one, number one. Number two is mentorship. We have a lack of mentorship in this area of relationship and of sexuality. Even more so in sexuality, right? Even more so. And not only that, I would argue that we have mentors, but our mentors are not good. Our mentors are pornography. Our mentors are our parents. Our mentors are our church, our mentors right, are, right, yeah. you know, <laughs> and so we, we, we have negative mentors. So make sure that you're getting positive mentors who are getting the results that you want. You want people who have hot, juicy sex lives. Yeah, there absolutely. are too many mentors who don't have those hot, juicy sex lives. <laughs> Get hot, juicy sex life mentors. And then the third key I would say is this also ties into practice, but it's embodiment actually getting out of your heads and get in your body. And the ways to do that, you know, number one practice is your masturbation practice. I'm going to go back to number one. I'm going to tie this to number one. All of them tied to number one, but your masturbation practice is usually very unconscious. And I don't even like the word masturbate. I like self-pleasure or solo sex, but um, to get conscious about how you're practicing on your own body and how you're feeling pleasure and what you feel and what's happening in your body. It goes back to the ties into that awareness practice, but the way that you're self-pleasuring oftentimes informs the way that we're interacting with another. And so get breath in there, breathe. We hold our breath. We do that until we explode instead of getting really conscious about what's happening. How am I tensing my body and my attention type and my relaxation type learn about your own self and your sexuality through the way that you're loving yourself in touch. Thank you. Those were very good, strong points. I'm sure they're going to be very helpful for the guys at home. And thank you for your time. You're very welcome. It's been a real pleasure meeting you, Jaya. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life.
step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at datingskillsreview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.